Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Knapsack. And this is the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> oh no, the news robot wound down. He's busy. The news robot is busy. <laughs> Somebody put a restraining bolt on the news robot, and that just bums me out. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, hello, sir. 
happy to be Hello, talking. Hello, how are you? Uh, for listeners, if uh, if they perceive anything different, we are recording in our homes, mm. uh, which we always record in one of our homes, yeah. but we are recording uh, in our own homes and then talking to each other over the magic of the internet. Yeah, the magic of the internet, so some sounds may uh, come in and out. Uh, we were ch- talking off air. This could not have happened. If we were locked away into our own Dagobah caves back in the day, I don't think we could have pulled this show off. So technology is here at least to make things a little easier. Yeah, that's right. I think George Lucas would be proud. <laughs> yes. A little bit of advance in technology. So then we have the power to use it in all sorts of different ways. So we will use this technology to make Jar Jar step in poo poo and uh, it will be a revolutionary breakthrough. <laughs> ah, yes. All right. Well, let's dig into this. We are here to discuss, of course, the Clone Wars. That's why it's called the Clone Wars Report. We are on the fifth episode of season seven. It is called Gone with a Trace. Now, starting with On the Wings of uh, Kyrdax, we've been thinking about who would sing the song of the title. So do you got a a band, Mr. Uh, DJ Man, who would sing Gone with a Trace? I'm going to say this is the Go-Go's. Gone with a trace, gone with a trace, gone with a trace. We're gone with a trace. Yeah, I like that. Uh, who was it? Uh, was it Brian Adams who did like a weird murder mystery song in like '87? That seems accurate. Uh, I just know Summer '69. Yeah. Was Richard Marks? Might be. Oh, anyway. Who uh, Twitter, the king of Twitter, Richard Marks. Yeah, he uh, I think he might have, too. Uh, there was probably a lot of murder story songs in the late 80s. Yeah, yeah. It just it, it also seems to me like a perfect go-go song, but also like a really badly judged song about some sort of murder mystery yeah. about a person named Trace. Terrible, terrible. How did you feel uh, as we get into the actual episode? How did you feel that the title of this episode was just a straight up pun? I think... I liked it. Uh, I didn't, it, it, uh, it's so funny when I was loading the episode before I watched it, I think I just mentally skipped over what it was and just was like, Oh, gone without a trace. That's cool. And then I read it again. Oh, I, Oh, um, look, all the wings of Kiridax is, I mean, they're having fun with titles this season. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> That's right. So you, the pun gets a pass. Yeah. Excellent. So what was your uh, big picture overall reaction to uh, Gone with the Trace starring the new character Trace? Yeah, I got to tell you, I really like this one in the sense of here we're starting a new arc. We're not too familiar with it. I know there's some stuff of this stuff exists, uh, the different character. They've replaced a character and added uh, the sisters and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not familiar with that. And I'm just taking this one as it as it comes. And I, I thought this was the a very classic Clone Wars episode where you know something bigger's coming. It was almost live action to me in a way, uh, which is an interesting conversation to have around a Sokotano right now. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, this was to, to me like a great opening of what I'm expecting to be a good arc. Yeah, yeah. I really, um, I have not watched any of the sort of other versions of this. Is there an animatic version of this arc? There might be a little bit of, um, I'm trying to think, because I was watching a little bit of Star Wars Explains channel. He had some shots up of it. I, I can't remember. I definitely know there was some concept art, uh, but definitely a shot of uh, uh, the other character. I think his name, like, his name was like Nick or Nico or something like that and in the shop, in the droid repair shop. So something exists. Okay, right. Yeah, because there are different uh, conventions where Filoni shared some stuff that would have been. Yeah before this all happened. Uh, yeah, for me, I really liked the uh, general sense of sort of confusion 
in transition. Like mm. it, it, you just really got, it made you emotionally feel very well that Ahsoka really doesn't know what's next. Mm. And that all the characters that she's interacting with trace and Rafa are also in that very same place of like, we are really not uh, happy with our lives and we want to get out of here and we want something to be mm. different. And I think that adds to what Filoni is doing really well with this season is these are not just a bunch of stories that happen to happen toward the end of clone wars. Mm. Everything has that mood of, mm. of slight bit of, of doom of this is all coming to an end and where it's going is a little bit inevitable. So when you hear characters talk about, let's just get away from the clone wars and get away from all of this into some happier, better place. There's that bittersweet. Okay. Well, the clone wars are going to end, <laughs> but you're not going to like what's going to come next. Ooh, yeah. Be careful choosing door number two. And I, I like, uh, we're obviously going to dive into the, the sisters, but their journey is a very Star Wars journey, uh, starting point at least, right? Two people in a situation they don't want to be in or can't change, and they're dreaming and, and, and working towards it. And I thought that was a nice, just an from an overall point of view of like, uh, the, their, star, their Star Wars story is just as valid as someone swinging a lightsaber. Yeah, exactly. A lot of it had that feeling of uh, of Luke Skywalker staring at the twin sons, even though it wasn't literally that, mm. except for that one Ahsoka shot. But we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, some of the other big picture reactions for me was just how great it was to see Ahsoka again, uh, but to see her in such a different uh, a different place, obviously that place of transition, but it made her moments of action so like fist pumping and heroic for me to see that this was the Ahsoka who feels uh, betrayed Mm. as they said, you know, first word of the episode is betrayal. Mm. Um, So she's confused and trying to figure it all out. But then we also know that she is so experienced, so knowledgeable, so well-trained has so many skills. So even though we're seeing her in a confused dark place, when she does act, it's just so, so fist pumping. And so F yeah, so good. She is strong and a badass and a force to be reckoned with. And it comes from such a wonderful, pure point. Uh, some of the most Jedi like actions I think we've ever seen uh, done in a droid repair shop. <laughs> yes. That would have been an alternate title uh, being a Jedi in a droid repair shop. Uh, my other big thing that I liked from this that I just wanted to shout out and ask if you picked up on is the uh, old Kenner action figure in the background. Yeah, I got to say, it's one of my favorite things in the episode. And I uh, I didn't watch this episode actually till Sunday. Um, okay. No real reason. I've just kind of been not on Twitter and social media as much right now. And so I just didn't feel I was going to be spoiled. And so I don't, this wasn't a spoiler because if he's listening, he's going to feel bad. But our good friend, Brian Ward, I think was the first I I saw he posted a picture. It might've been been in our discord server and it had those figures up looking over what is the, the the little forklift falling over. And I just loved it. So it wasn't a spoiler to me. I was actually glad to see it because then I was I really got to focus on them showing up in the show and I loved it. Yeah, it was so great. Yeah, I'm sure everybody who is, uh, you know, deep into Star Wars uh, social media, I'm sure has seen other people posting or talking about it. But if you have no idea what we're talking about, there were the four cantina creatures, four <laughs> cantina aliens in the original Kenner line back in the day. And they had, you know, the weird names in the incredibly bright costumes that <laughs> didn't really have a relationship with the reality of the film. <laughs> and uh, boots, and good that, boots. Yeah. 
Yeah, we got your your walrus man, uh, your your bright green Greedo. Uh, you've got your hammerhead with a blue onesie, uh, and then you have Snaggletooth in different variations. This was the yeah. tall blue onesie, uh, blue jumper Snaggletooth. But yeah, it was really fun for me. I saw it. Uh, I, I stayed up late on Thursday night and I watched it. And because Walrus Man's colors are so bright, I saw Walrus Man because he pops up a couple times. He's in the traffic in the beginning, right? And then he's watching the forklift. And then uh, I rewatched it this morning to get ready for our discussion and noticed that they popped up everywhere and that they're in the specific shots together. And it was just one of those. It just felt great to be a Star Wars nerd. And honestly, uh, being a Star Wars nerd of that specific generation, it felt great to be pandered to by the Clone Wars. <laughs> I think Filoni is great at pandering to uh, the Kenner generation. <laughs> he's he's, he's yes. done it time and time again in, in anything he's involved in. And you know what? As he should, because it's it's part of the lifeblood of Star Wars. That is exactly right. Uh, so l- let's get into the uh, the big theme. So the big sort of original Lucas theme that jumped out to me is uh, helping other people, uh, which sounds kind of simplistic, but I think it's about this idea of empathy, about symbiosis. It's a, to me, it's a lot of what uh, we've talked about. Talked about mm. Shmi's wisdom in the Phantom Menace, saying that you know people need to help each other. That's how the galaxy works. That's what makes the galaxy better. Is if you actually help people. Did that uh, did that jump out to you? It it really did, and and my favorite moment was the uh, little uh, little exchange, uh, you know, uh, Ahsoka saying, "Why are you helping me?" and Trey saying, "Shouldn't I?" It was so well delivered in terms of voice performance, writing, animation. It was that's when I said earlier, like, "Hey, this is almost like a live action episode." It just jumped off the screen for me, and I actually the first time I saw it, I laughed. And I was having a bowl of oatmeal, drinking coffee <laughs> on a Sunday morning, and I actually just laughed out loud because. There's no, there's no uh, cynicism in Trace's response, and she is. Ev- this, this character has every reason to be cynical, right? And she is in some other areas, but she's just like, yeah, shouldn't I? <laughs> like, what a pure approach to it, and it's almost, it's almost like little Annie. You, you mentioned Shmi. <laughs> it's almost like Annie. Like, yeah, no, we should help. I really love them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that comparison directly to Anakin is great because I th- think what I really liked about Trace is she is like, uh, you know, little slave orphan Annie, not orphan, uh, eventually, anyway, <laughs> uh, little Annie, uh, that the, both Annie and Trace are very aware of the harsh reality that they live in, mm. but clearly have this pull to overcome it with kindness and with empathy. Like, I, I love how much Trace keeps saying, well, everything has a price. Oh, you don't have many credits. That's fine. I'll still help you. And it's clearly wants Ahsoka there, is intrigued by Ahsoka, really wants to help her and wants to be her friend. Yeah. Yeah. Really needs it. Really craves it. Really picks up on stuff right away. And I love, uh, of course, Ahsoka will be starting from why are you helping me? She's just been betrayed, as you said, uh, by everyone she cares about in her eyes. Uh, it's just a great little sequence. Yeah, and I like the idea that Ahsoka really expects that I am on my own, and that's what she's internalized. So the idea that I would happen to crash land into, in in front of somebody who is telling me I have to pay for stuff, but is being very, very helpful and kind about it must jar her from the perspective of like, how am I going to make it on my own? Because I'm on my own now. And so mm-hmm. to immediately find some kind of companionship is, you know, got to restore uh, Ahsoka's faith a little bit. Absolutely. 
Um, so then I, of course, I, I feel like this theme continues when Ahsoka continues to choose to help trace in lots of different ways. Uh, we'll talk about the, the fight. I agree with you. That's a, it's such a great Jedi moment in the fight in the droid shop, but Ahsoka's right there wanting to reciprocate, wanting to help. Uh, I think kind of putting herself a little bit at risk, showing her force powers, uh, to help, but it's just, to me, it's the, the, uh, it's the symbiote circle, right? Mm. Not that Ahsoka probably wouldn't have helped trace, anyway because she is a good person but just seeing that cycle actually flow through in this one episode was really cool and powerful yeah i, I like that uh, i like what you're saying there uh and uh yeah soka helping her in many ways shapes and forms uh which is uh is more in line with her character than her her jedi status or lack thereof of course as we know but her upbringing yeah yeah uh i wanted to ask you specifically under this general umbrella of empathy and symbiosis and Shmi's wisdom. So Trace keeps saying there's kind of a lot of back and forth actually about uh, everything has a price. And is Ahsoka going to pay for the tools or the parts or is she going to pay rent or is she not going to pay rent? And who's going to pay who for what for the droids? There's a lot about everything has a price down here. Did you take that as an overall negative or positive statement? I took it as a realistic statement when you talk about down <laughs> there um, and you can talk about, you know, the the economy of it all and uh, paying for the goods and services and all those kind of conversations. But there's something about just the world they live in uh, where they have to know that everything has a price and everything is going to uh, not just a, a monetary price, but a, but a but an action and an action, a reaction. And, and, uh, you have to, the consequences maybe for what you do or, um, achievements and, and, and successes and, and improving your quality of life down there in 1313. There's a lot of this level 13, you know, it's a fun reference, but I really dive into it. So as far as positive or negative, I think you could go both ways. Um, and it's definitely negative connotation many times in this episode, but, uh, I think it's also just how they have to live. They have to be aware of it. Uh, every, everything we do yeah. costs something. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm totally on. I was really curious if it, it landed with you the same way it landed with me, where at the beginning, it sounds like Ahsoka's like, well, I'm not going to earn used to money. I, you know, who knows how Ahsoka even got these uh, credits that the <laughs> meager credits she has. Yeah. which is a fun conversation. Uh, but then it does seem to slowly slide into because it is about symbiosis and every action you take has a reaction uh positive or negative that everything has a price does start to sound like uh a part of the very star wars idea we've been talking about a lot lately of everyone and everything is is connected so if you take an action at all it's going to affect somebody else right yeah yeah Oh, sorry. So, uh, no, <laughs> there's, no, that's there's, fine. That's there's, fine. there's our first, uh, remote. I can't see your beautiful <laughs> eyes. Uh, pause. <laughs> I have a picture of your eyes up on my computer. <laughs> it's a little, it's creepy. You're hypnotizing me, but <laughs> yeah. So let's, anyway, let's move on to, uh, I think the other big theme for me, which was just same thing as last week in a way, uh, was looking at the nature of the Jedi, but this was a really different look at the nature of the Jedi. But mm. I felt like that was a big main theme did that uh pop out to you as well oh very much so uh, i mean this is ahsoka tano right this is uh what we keep talking about the she went off on her own path to discover herself uh, obviously the theme of an episode uh, that, that's in the title or in the um, 
the the moral at the beginning, but but even uh, it's so fresh and uh, it, it's just running around our mind. And to have the, we're going to talk about the lesson, the, the, the trace actually just being like <laughs> Jedi. Um, I thought, it, yeah, it, it was one of the more um, uh, thoughtful. Uh, thought-inducing uh, lessons for us as fans about what are the Jedi and what we want out of the Jedi, even as fans. Yeah, yeah. I thought what was really cool about it is that it has those uh, crystal clear, on-the-nose uh, bits of dialogue with uh, Trace and Ahsoka discussing who the Jedi are and what they do and whether or not they're responsible for the Clone Wars. So, uh, obviously, it really sets you off to think about the Jedi, and I think anybody following the Clone Wars are thinking about, well, Ahsoka just feels like she was betrayed by the Jedi. And I think mm. most viewers feel like she was at least let down by the Jedi. So you're already thinking, what is Ahsoka thinking about the Jedi? So I love that there's these uh, kind of crystal clear on the surface things, but then there's so much going on that is just, if you're a, a fan of Jedi philosophy and you follow it, that it's there in Ahsoka's actions and choices as well. Mm, very much. This this to me is one, uh, a lot of sequences in this uh, just ring true to me as a fan, and much like that scene we always talk about in, in Battlefront Two, the the, the Pilio level. I mean, it's just somebody's this base level. Here's what here's what it kind of is to be a Jedi, or how Jedi should act, or what you think. You know, not not in terms of guidelines or or uh, instruction manual, but just like the emotional core of what what it is to be a Jedi out in this world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so let, let's dig in. Uh, we'll, we'll dig into it uh, a little bit here and then a little bit as we walk through the actual episode. But how did you take the uh, revelation from Trace that her perception in, in she, I think, is being kind of a symbol of the people down in 1313 that the Jedi started the war and that the Jedi don't care about or protect the little people anymore? It's interesting because, you know, if you're kind of in the story as a viewer, you're like, oh, you, you are wrong. And there might be some truth to that. You know, we know a little bit more what's going on. We know the dark forces behind this, but, but Trace doesn't know. And quite frankly, he doesn't care nor need to care about Count Dooku and Palpatine. Uh, this is how it, it, it trickles down. And this idea that she says they've forgotten all about us, that's not necessarily wrong. Um, they, you could argue the Jedi are fighting the big fight to protect them, but uh, you're way down here. They're not down there. There's no Jedi patrolling on the streets of 1313. And I love when she says, when you're a kid, you hear stories. I guess they're not what I thought they'd be. And there's yeah. some real resignation, some real disappointment, some real sadness in there. To me, that had to be a, just a dagger in Ahsoka's heart. Cause she yeah. knows it's true. Cause guess what? They same, same Ahsoka could just go same. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I loved it from Ahsoka's perspective that we continue to get these little drops where, to me, uh, we are being reminded that the Jedi think of their involvement in the Clone Wars as an extension of defense, where because Ahsoka says, no, 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 we didn't start it. We're trying to stop it. Mm. And from everybody else's perspective, it's like, I, I don't know, some Jedi and some droids fought all over my planet and it's destroyed. Didn't look like defense to me. Um, but from Ahsoka wanting to hold on to that perspective that that's what it might be in the Jedi's minds uh, and from the Jedi's perspective, but that's not the reality that people are facing and kind of having to be uh, really immediately uh, have that idea removed from her mind was really interesting. I love this idea. You've, 
you've you've brought it up uh, a lot of this. Uh, you know, Ahsoka is this reflection of what the Jedi could be, should be, what they used to be, and how far they've removed. And we also like to defend the Jedi. You, you know, particularly you. You're 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 the type of guy. If you walk in a gift shop, you are going to go towards the Jedi items first. Where yeah, that's you right. Know, you know, um, so I love this idea that Ahsoka's hearing this, and it's the truth. But there's got to be a tinge of hope. Of, of, of we can get back to that or now I can get back to that and I can be a little bit more, not in this heroic thing. I think it is um, no fault of the Jedi that they can't be down there at 1313 right now, but no one's stopping to think about it. And so now it's being put in her face and that changes your perspective. So uh, it's, I always say, if it's not in front of you, you don't feel it, you know, and that's just kind of unfortunately how a lot of things happen in life. Um, and, yeah. it, and here it is, Ahsoka, it's, and she's feeling it. Yeah. And I think Ahsoka also, I mean, obviously we know that she has been down to the lower levels before. We've seen her there in the Clone Wars. Correct. But I think with her fresh, like, oh man, the Jedi are falling down on even what they claim they they want to do and want to be, that it must be uh, powerful for her to go like, oh yeah, the Jedi are just literally sitting on top of all this poverty. (laughs) Yes. You know, they're trying to do their part by ending the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars, you know, as we've learned in some of those great Padme political episodes, the Clone Wars are causing some of these poverty issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that idea, like, uh, these people are suffering literally below us. And what are we doing? Mm. Yeah. It's all right there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that that interesting pushball to me between, like, um, should the Jedi be addressing big things like systemic issues of poverty or fighting wars versus should they be helping day-to-day people? And I think that to me was maybe the most powerful Jedi idea because uh, you and I have talked about, well, it's it's not like the, like Ahsoka rejects the Jedi teachings. It's that she feels they aren't reflecting them right now. Mm -hmm. And then to see this episode where she kind of just goes and does what the Jedi claim to be, Mm. What I think a lot of people our age and Filoni's age imagined the Jedi to be is she's just wandering through life, encounters somebody with a problem, they ask for help, and so with her great power, she helps. Mm. It is, in a weird way, because I'm not saying this is exactly what it's going to be, in a weird way, it was a little bit of a a ting of uh, excitement for the High Republic series coming, where it's going to be bigger than this, but to break it down to a lower, uh, smaller, uh, micro level, like, Oh, okay. We're going to see the Jedi doing this. And that's what it means for the Jedi's to be kind of at the height of their full powers to me, to me. Uh, so I actually was thinking about that during some of these uh, sequences. Oh, really? Really? You're, you're looking forward to more, uh, more, uh, noble Jedi, uh, standing up for innocent citizens and droid shops. <laughs> yes. That's how, that's the book I want. The droid shop <laughs> battles. Well, you know, just, just seeing it on that, uh, seeing it just plain and simply on that level. Cause again, Jedi fighting and leading in, in the war was not something I necessarily questioned in 2002. Uh, and I still think you and I talk off. We talked on the main show recently about justice for the Jedi. I don't necessarily think it was wrong. And I think that's not necessarily the point of what George was saying, or, you know, there's a lot of points George was saying in this, but to, to just see uh, my point being to see Ahsoka on this level going, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we got away from this where there's thugs causing problems and they're causing problems because no one's down there. <laughs> Uh, yeah interesting yeah. thought f- food for thought yeah 
Uh, it struck me really powerfully also that uh, Ahsoka seems to be in this balance where she doesn't want to tell people that she's a Jedi uh, or she was a Jedi Padawan. You know, she kind of hedges on that. Uh, she uses the force only when she absolutely has to at the end. And, and yet she is doing this very Jedi thing of wait in that droid shop waiting to be asked. Mm. I mean, you get the sense that maybe she's going to, she, she right away is kind of um, uh, spunky, definitely Anakin's Padawan. As soon as uh, Pintu in his, uh, in his thugs come in, she's like, you know, I can't remember exactly what she says, but like, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Very threatening. And every, and both parties tell her to stay out of it. And then, you know, mm. she actually listens and I was just really affected by, we get to see a long scene of, uh, of, uh, 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 trace getting punched and Ahsoka's not doing anything until asked. Mm. And that seems so Jedi like to me. Yeah. And again, not that it's a step-by-step instructional manual. It's just, it's just, this is a, to put a fight a point on it kind of moment. Uh, this is just seeing how it generally works this in, in, in spirit, like the spiritual side of <laughs> this to me. Ahsoka could have destroyed everyone in two seconds if she wanted, but um, I don't know. Yeah, it's a risk to reveal, number one. She's got to be careful of that. But anyways, I, I, I could go off. I, I just like that little moment because look on the face. The animation's so good. Ahsoka's like, say it, say it. All right, great. I can kick ass. And, and as kids, you, yeah, sorry. And as kids, we focus on the ass kicking scene, which we're, we can talk about in detail. You know, that's what we want. That's what a Jedi is. That's what a Jedi is. And this is kind of reminding, no, there's, here's the reason for it. And here's how it comes to be. Right. She's not craving action or adventure. Uh, she will uh, kick ass and other body parts when asked. <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> which we will get, yeah. get into them body parts. Uh, so let's talk the moral of the episode. If there's no path before you create your own, what did you get out of that in relationship to the uh, actual episode and, you know, to uh, getting a tattoo on your back? Uh, <laughs> is that important to you? <laughs> it's not. I don't have any tats, man. I'm not cool like that. Um, uh, the two sides are, are several sides to this uh, moral. Uh, the easy one here is, you know, is, especially as it starts and it starts that pops up and then we go to a, go to Ahsoka. That's what she did by choosing to, to walk away from the Jedi Order. Right. So that's the big picture one. But I like, though. That she has this line, she says, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And that means you, you still have to find that path and still have to create it. And it's not easy. But also, I really love how this applies to Trace and uh, Rafa. But Trace saying she wants to head to the stars with her sister, which is a very Star Wars thing, right? I want to fly. Yeah. I want to be a pilot. I want to be a driver, a winner. But here is the, the there is no path before them down here. There is no life to be had, no good life, and they want that fresh air so they know they have to get it. And I think it applies maybe even more to them, just as uh, if not more than Ahsoka. You know what I mean? Like it's it was pretty powerful for me to attach it to them. Yeah, yeah, I felt uh, in a in a really great way, uh, sort of uh, hoodwinked by it in, in a positive way, where yeah. it comes up on the screen, and you know this is the episode where oh we're gonna we're gonna catch up with Ahsoka after her betrayal, uh, and of course it sounds like if there's no path before you create your own, that it's all about Ahsoka, and it feels that way at the beginning of the episode when Ahsoka is literally like, well, I'm just gonna take my speeder to a lower level, and I can't even do that right so i don't know what the hell i'm doing i don't know where i'm going uh but then it is more powerfully i think about those sisters i totally agree with you Mm. that they're really like 
they're, they're literally, it's not like we're choosing between our paths. We didn't right. reject one path like Ahsoka. It's like we literally, uh, there is no path before mm. us. So we have to figure something out or uh, we just, you know, die. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Star Wars is so much about destiny. You and I talk about the destiny. This week on the main show, we'll be talking about Kylo Ren and his destiny a lot. But I think these are two characters that were born without a destiny uh present for them you know they had to search and find it and it's small it's it's opening a business it's getting off world and i think that is nice it's nice to see those kind of uh star wars tropes now be applied in this sense to to the smaller folk down below yeah yeah and i like the discussions toward the end too where uh it kind of ties up with that idea of every action you take has reaction where the path they're trying to create a path that doesn't that gets them what they need, but doesn't hurt other people. You know, there's yeah. some discussion about, well, what are we going to, those droids are dangerous to other people, but we need that money. We need a path forward. Uh, so I thought that was a great contrast as well. The other thing about this moral uh, that really grabbed me is, and again, this might be just me kind of uh, crawling into my own interpretation of Ahsoka in the Jedi a bunch, but starting the episode thinking this is, this is about Ahsoka. If there's no path before you create your own, and then in actively watching the episode, I feel like, well, Ahsoka's still on the same path. She's actually just doing the Jedi path. She's being the Jedi that Trace heard about when she was a kid. She is following the Jedi path in a way that, even with her good intentions, maybe the Jedi aren't right now. Yeah. Mm, I like so that. So I thought, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was... Uh, it, 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 to me, it's interesting to think about it, it, where the rest of this arc is going. Is Ahsoka going to feel like, ah, I found my new path and here's how I define it? Or is she going to come back to like, oh, well, I can I can keep being the idea of a Jedi without actually claiming the title or the rank? Yeah, I love Yeah, I love that. It goes on. So one of my favorite things about Ahsoka and where she is and what she becomes, uh, as far as we know, just it. It isn't necessarily a new path. It, it's her path, you know, and it's like this doubling down on, yeah, 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 this. I know what I was supposed to do. I got knocked off of it. I'm back on it. I, I love that. Yeah. And then in some ways it's not, it, it might be a confusing path, but at the same time, it's just, hey, does, any, does somebody in front of me need help? Do they want my help? Okay, I help. Yeah. And when you look at it that way, it, it feels simpler than I'm sure it uh, actually is for poor Ahsoka right then. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about action. Uh, Clone Wars episodes always have a lot of action. There wasn't as much action in this one. Uh, there were uh, more scenes of financial negotiation and laundromats and things <laughs> like that. Uh, but what were your favorite action moments? I got to tell you, it wasn't, uh, I mean, there's some, there's some good fighting here. There's some good hand to hand. There's some good chasing. There's all those kind of things, but I got to tell you that binary uh, load lifter uh, running around like a dog after a bath. <laughs> and the one moment where I think Rafa's looking and there's like all the loath cats are scurrying about and it comes swinging around the corner and does like a comical whoop, 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 whoop. It knocks something. I, I, I again <laughs> laughed. And you know, if you ever, uh, uh, trying to try to give a, a chihuahua a bath, I can tell you, this is what they do. <laughs> yeah. I really like the moment. I like the danger of the binary load lifters that they were just sort of a uh, crosswired, which again, we will talk more about uh, in that it was just kind of on a rampage of destruction for no particular reason. I liked it when it, that particular beat, when it just ripped a sign off a of business and threw it into a speeder <laughs> yeah, yes, for no reason whatsoever. No reason. <laughs> it was very cathartic. Yeah. It was sort of like, ah, that's the kind of CrossFit I would like to do. Just <laughs> smash things in public. Beautiful. 
wouldn't actually do it. Uh, but my, my favorite action moment, though, was uh, Ahsoka catching that robot fist punch. And the yeah. look on her face was just so triumphant. So it, we up to that point, Ahsoka has felt lost and like, ah, ah, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure this out. But as soon as she is actually asked to step in and help, there is so much confidence and so much power mm. in that look on her face when she catches it, uh, catches that fist. And you know that you know, the, these people are in such trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh Oh, you've done it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's okay. Catching that uh, fist, definitely favorite action moment. Uh, so we are going to take a big, a uh, big break, a big little break, a little break. And then we will be back to look at all of the details of the scenes of this episode of Clone Wars. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improves. Definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we are back to discuss Gone with a Trace, a title that it is almost hard for me to say correctly. I keep wanting to say Gone Without a Trace, but we are Gone with a Trace, the character Trace. So, uh, Ken, let's dive in as we've been doing and talk about kind of the individual scenes and beats and ideas. So we start with uh, uh, Soka's speeder bike falling apart and her uh, having a lengthy fall down into a literal hole. (laughs) What did it make you think of? Well, uh, so the, we, we, we're, we don't quite know the length of time, right? And I think I saw something online. I think someone was uh, uh, tweeting Matt Martin, uh, you know, a barrage of canon questions. And he said something about, I don't know, it's like a few days after or something like that. So I don't think the answer is official by any sense of the word. But I got a sense it was really long because this scene... Uh, and we've seen we've seen this scene before. I think this was revealed at uh, Star Wars Celebration. Uh, we've yeah. seen some of these character designs. But I was watching. Here we got Ahsoka uh, in a blue denim jumpsuit on us on a <laughs> on a hog. Man, she's on a hog. And I was like, this is 1971. Like if the prequels are the are the 50s, <laughs> like she's in the 70s. She's listening to uh, some some California sound uh, and uh, cruising along to some easy rider stuff going on here. So I really like the sequence because, again, seeing it was coming, seeing that we, this was a sequence we had seen. I thought I, I just would not think this would be the first time we saw her. So I was really I was like, ah, this is a great start for me. Yeah, yeah. I loved uh, Ahsoka's look. And I like the tradition in Clone Wars in particular. It seems like they just made the choice that Alderanian fashion is 1976. Uh, so it made me wonder, did she get that jeans jumpsuit from some Alderanian source? <laughs> I love that idea. I love that idea. Uh, or that, that this somehow... Like Padme was like, look, I, I probably can't wear a lot of this stuff. Anything fit for you? Because I'd love to be walking around in this, but you take it. I had this for casual weekends, uh, but I never have a casual weekend. So it is absolutely yours, Ahsoka. Yeah, I got the sense that a little bit of time passed because uh, I don't know if Jedi have walking around money. I don't know where she got those credits. She clearly got that speeder from somewhere and yeah, had a had a fashion change in her her lightsabers are somewhere. Yeah. Uh, we, we, yeah and, so. and this goes to, you know, I always mention, uh, we talk a lot about here. One of the underrated comedy things in star Wars is that Palpatine had all the outfits for the empire picked out already. Uh, I, I do love the idea of Ahsoka uh, buying the bike, switching into this. Like, I, I think there's some fun reality there to be played around with Absolutely. in our, in our head cannon. 
Yeah, headcanon for now. Hopefully, short story uh, where she does go to whatever weird Coruscant Harley shop that's run by uh, some guy with a very 70s mustache. There's some Linda Ronstadt playing in the background. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, great look. Uh, but then uh, for me, uh, it was just this opening scene was powerful, even though I saw it before. And I think, you know, when we saw it, I was like, cool, cool, cool. Let's let's get to what's next. What's the big story with Ahsoka? But then when I was just watching it in this episode, the simple power of this is uh, just literally how she feels. She is mm. descending into uh, the dark, into the unknown. And the simplest thing is now a problem of just, hey, this speeder's falling apart, you know? And even that sense of just... Uh, it, it, just that great sense of I am out of place because she's just trying to go about her business. She doesn't want to talk about being a Jedi, doesn't really want to be seen or known. And then just running into traffic, running into those Kenner action figures, knocking radar dishes down. You hear all the people going, hey, <laughs> watch it. Uh, and it was just so relatable. You're saying some great stuff here because of of uh, the power of, of showing the character and what's inside the character through just these little simple action scenes, right? So base, if you're doing your writing, right, this is what it should be there in every scene. And I fail at that all the time, but, but to see it, <laughs> to see it plain and simple, to see that not too long ago, weeks, months, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, I'm not concerned about the time, but she is where she is right now. Knowing that just a short time ago, she could have done a triple force leap out, uh, pulled the speeder up, uh, saved herself, saved people around, whatever. She can't. She can't for so many different reasons and to spiral out of control and fall and not be able to stop yourself, which is what is happening. And like you said, what she's feeling, she's got to be feeling this like, uh, yeah, I walked away. What a powerful choice it was. Oh, now I'm on a motorcycle falling. I, it, it does really work as, as, uh, as, as, uh, as an opening scene. What a, it's like this and, and Karen Allen and Raiders of the Lost Ark is Marion Ravenwood. Or these are great scenes about who these characters are. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved it from that perspective of the very, the literal imagery, but also just, this is one of my favorite forms of comedy. And I think my favorite forms of storytelling, we talked about it a little bit with, uh, some of the Mando stuff too, of just, it, I find it so relatable when you see, awesome kick-ass action heroes feeling like they're in a kind of situation where they're running late for work and the printer doesn't work and they <laughs> drop their keys in the toilet and it just like it feels so real world of just like i'm just trying to get from point a to point b and every damn little thing is going wrong and i just personally love those kind of scenes is it like mccartney and the uh, his part of day in the life like woke up got out of bed Ran a comb through my head. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ran into Walrus Man on a speeder. Yeah, exactly. That kind of song. Uh, so then we move along to Ahsoka actually meeting Trace Martez. And Ahsoka bonds with her as they uh, work on repairing the bike in uh, Trace's uh, ship. And then we find out that Trace and her sister uh, Rafa want to get away from the Jedi and Coruscant too and, and all that. Uh, I, I wanted to dive a little bit more into uh, some of the Jedi specifics, but first I, ju I just wanted to get your take on anything else in that specific set of scenes really jump out at you? In terms of uh, meeting Trace, uh, I'll tell you, there's some bigger stuff for me. It just it was a nice little sequence, fun sequence. Uh, I like these two uh, new characters, Trace and Rafa. Uh, I love the design on them, and, and obviously very, I, I think, very modern design. If, if they're replacing 
you know, replacing uh, a character with these two characters, I think, I think it was a great choice to just kind of uh, uh, put some uh, new characters out there. Um, but I, I, I was blown away by just life on 1313. And I don't know if you want to discuss it now or how it relates to this. Um, but it just, yeah, it was really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd say go for it. What what about Life on 1313 grabbed you? I think we've heard this fabled level in Star Wars for a long time, whether it was going to be a video game that we didn't get to play or a live-action TV show that never came to be. And then we see, uh, see it a lot. You mentioned up top Ahsoka and Asajj and this idea of 1313 can be can – be, there's some hero worship of this level from the fans. And yeah. that's where the bounty hunters go to be cool. Dark things happen. And then, ooh, the Jedi, you need to hide. You got to go down there. No one will find you there. And that's all great stuff because it, it's it's true. It, it, it's definitely part of the legend of 1313. But to see it, you know, this is uh, Flea Bottom in, in, in King's Landing and Game of Thrones. This is uh, the forgotten part of the land that the heroes are trying to defend. It's all that stuff we talked about up top. But to, to see it, like, I never thought of it in the sense of, this is their life. And yeah, I guess you can just fly up, go for a spin and get that fresh air. But really, this is a separate world and you can't leave it. It's not easy to leave it. And I thought I saw that I got that as, as a, as a longtime fan who's, you know, will, will uh, be drunk at parties and go, oh, yeah, that's called 1313. You know, like it's some cult fan club for this magical bounty hunter level in Coruscant. But here's what it actually is if you're into the story you're engaging with star Wars on that level. And I personally was moved by it in a way, in the sense of, uh, you know, I have sympathy for, uh, and concern for what these sisters are going through and have been going through as characters in, in the story. But you know what I mean? Or was just like, oh, yeah, this is a great way to really go into what this world means, what this level means that we all know and love. Yeah. Oh man. I think that's really, really well said. It makes me think about, you know, all the great things that Star Wars can be from just this sort of, uh, romance and fun and high adventure of a Jedi and a bounty hunter fighting to, no, these are the actual people Yeah. to the, like, this is, this is why all of these, uh, tales of heroism and, and what is your philosophy as a hero? This is why they matter because they affect real people just trying to get by and you're right there's this great contrast between 1313 oh yeah it's one thing for ahsoka to just bounce down there maybe kick cad bane's ass in a cool fight and then go back up to her business on the on top side it's different to see uh, let's let's take away a little bit of the romance and the fighting and these are just people desperately trying to get out of this place Absolutely. It's very cool to think of Boba Fett going down there and having a video game. I, I all for it, all for it. And that doesn't, this doesn't take anything away from that, but it adds so much more realism, realism to this uh, greatest saga ever told thing that we love to celebrate. And I, I really appreciated them doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things in this uh, sequence that I really loved is when Ahsoka got frustrated and went out to the platform and kind of watched that larger ship take off and get out of there. Mm. And you got that great sense of Ahsoka maybe longing for her old life. More for me, I got the sense of her seeing her old life from a new perspective of seeing that, like I would normally be on that nicer ship, that kind of Republic looking ship that's taking off and 
going out of here and going off to uh, some other adventure. And it felt to me like a, a really different take on the classic uh, Luke Skywalker twin sons where it wasn't it's so much longing for adventure is almost uh, reflecting on her, her past life of being a little bit more adventurous. And now she is down a little bit more in the real world. I love that take on that. I love that. I, I, I would even button a little bit of just like, am I ever going to get that life again? <laughs> what path am I on? Who, you know, what's the cost? We talked about the cost, um, but great moment. Yeah. What that worthy of a poster in its own right. Right. <laughs> Ahsoka oh, stares yeah. up. Yeah. Ahsoka stares at the brightness above her. Uh, let's uh, dive in a little bit more details. We talked already about the uh, conversation about the Jedi being responsible for uh, the Clone Wars or not. There are a couple bits of dialogue that I want to get your take on. Uh, the idea that they're busy. Uh, Trace says the Jedi are busy policing everything. What did you take from that? Whew. I took a little bit of truth, a little bit of not misinformation, but it's perspective, it's point of view. So she's not wrong from her point of view. We know a little bit more. I think I can have some sympathy for the Jedi here in this situation. Again, them leading leading armies might not have been the right thing to do, but it's what they felt they had to do, and you have to sometimes make those choices. Um, but uh, it's also, it's bad PR, man. And it also speaks a little <laughs> bit to, to maybe why why it would be so easy for Palpatine to spin that tail. He's yeah. he's already knows this is going on and not down to this small, small level. He's maybe not aware of Trace, but he knows around the galaxy, especially on Coruscant, they've already got this negative point of view and I can just go in there and I can massage that a little bit more. So now this 19 years or so between Sith and New Hope, why did they, why did the Jedi become legends? Why were they erased? Here's some of the examples of why in story it could just be so easily. If someone's already thinking, oh, they're going around policing. They're sticking their nose yeah. where they don't belong. They're, I'm not asking for help again, tied to what you've already talked about and what we're going to dive in. That's, that's an interesting point of view. Easy to, to be manipulated because she's not necessarily wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I just really was intrigued by that particular turn of phrase of uh, policing everything because it made me think of Anakin and the Outlander Club in Attack of the Clones, you know, right. shouting Jedi business, uh, which was I remember lots of fans discussing at the time of like, well, I thought the Jedi were these kind of mystical uh, monk warriors, not like beat cops yeah <laughs> or to come in and, and make an arrest and yell at people to go back to their drinks. You know, I, I think that's. Uh the Outlander Club sequence is underrated. I do love the opening to Attack the Clones for a lot of things. I mean, the way Anakin says it there, I mean, not to spin off into an Attack the Clones review here, but the way Anakin <laughs> says it there, just imagine if you you don't know what's going on. This is why how you communicate and how you get the words out. And I've made in, incorrect choices in these situations. and I made correct choices in these situations. But like uh, how you get the word out, how you deliver what you got to do, you may have to do this. How do you uh, what, how do you deliver the information and deliver the word on how to do it is so key, so key. So it all that boils down to what you're talking about here. Of course, Trace is going to think that. Yeah. Jedi PR issues. I really like that. Uh, the other one that I wanted to be sure to spend a little bit of time on is Trace saying, you know, about the Jedi. You hear stories when you're a kid in this idea that the reality of the Jedi as they are during the prequel era, during the Clone Wars era, doesn't live up to this romantic notion that she had when she heard stories of them as a kid. Uh, now, we could dive into that, into the actual world of the Clone Wars, but what I really want to ask you is, 
does that feel meta? Does that feel to you like that is Filoni saying, hey, yeah, look, uh, people who grew up with the original trilogy had this kind of notion of them as described by Obi-Wan and A New Hope. But then when we meet them in the prequels, they're a little bit more rigid. They're a little bit more of an organization. Yeah, I think it is. I, I And it's not a... It's not to say anyone's thoughts are, are, are about it growing up or wrong. I just think, you know, I just think uh, when when you think of the Jedi and you put a lightsaber in your hand as a kid, you're hacking and slashing and you're, and you're killing the, the bad guys, the bad team there. You're not thinking about why. And I love that George was like, I am telling you for better or worse and a lot of people will say worse but for a better or worse george comes at us in, the, in 99 2002 and 2005 and says here how here's how it all fell and it, and they needed to fall how did they fall i'm answering my own question and it is on these little small levels uh which is a death by a thousand uh, little knives little cuts is what george was kind of saying so i think feloni's so in tuned to that he is kind of saying Here's here's why maybe why because we know Filoni loves that prequel. We heard Favreau say, "I don't like the prequels, but after you hang out with Dave, he kind of makes you like him." <laughs> so yeah, I think there's some commenting here that's outside the story. Yeah, yeah, and it, to me, it it was hard not to feel the meta ness of it, but it didn't come across as criticism of any era mm-hmm. of Star Wars. To me, it felt like uh, this idea of yeah, you want to strive toward the the romance you you want your heroes to be you know knights in in shining armor uh but sometimes it's not that easy like i and that's yeah. one of the reasons that i like defending the jedi of this era i feel like they yeah. have good intentions they're just making mistakes it's complicated and they can't figure out the right way to just be those knights in shining armor that they want to be and i kind of like putting that in perspective of somebody who's just on the ground who just sees a jedi every once in a while <laughs> yeah. when they arrest a bounty hunter and cut some limbs off and leave um that the perspective would be but i thought there were this great hope i thought they were this and and then she sees well but they're yeah. they're just beings with power and they're trying their best to find their way. And, and it, it sits in this really interesting place that Star Wars storytelling is at right now that there's this great tension between the, the fantasy and the reality of it. I, I just love that this episode can inspire that kind of thought and, and plug into the bigger picture. It's way more than just, um, you know, two uh, plunky, uh, plucky characters finding uh, their way down, down on a lower level. It's way more than that. It should, because Star Wars is that fine uh, you know, ecosystem of storytelling and, and uh, I, I like those conversations. I, I love I love that you've led the Force Center conversations recently into this Justice for the Jedi conversation because it is it can get lost when you're starting to dive into the mistakes of the Jedi, the sins of the Jedi, the, our yeah. favorite word, the hubris. It, it's because that's all right. It's all correct. But at the end of the day, the, 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 there was still there's still some good in them. <laughs> and, and I love to talk about it. And I love that's that. Right. I love that Ahsoka, who has just left them gets to see this and what can I do to make it better for these individuals as, as a Jedi like thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How can I be a Jedi like thing? Well, let's go from the, the, the dizzying heights of the nobility and reality of the Jedi to uh, a star Wars crotch shot. So, <laughs> 
got the fight with uh, Pintu in the thugs. Uh, and we talked about this a little bit where, you know, uh, Ahsoka is, uh, waits to be asked and then uh, kicks ass and crotches. Uh, so a couple things that jumped out to me was just how brutal this fight was where you really felt the uh, repeated punches in the face of Trace. How did uh, how did the brutality of this fight grab you? Uh, great. <laughs> I love that. I love the brutality. <laughs> no, I love the brutality. Uh, I love the design. By the way, I just love the design of Pintu's uh, thugs. Uh, very almost like an ancient uh, alien Egyptian. Like they built, did they build the pyramids? Maybe they did. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love that. But I also, because you and I, are, we're not in the same place right now, but on, on my notes, I just wrote best crotch kick in Star Wars question mark. And uh, <laughs> it, that's the highlight. But I, I just love when Ahsoka jumps into the fight. Um, there's a moment where she kicks like a, a box or something out from underneath one of their feet. And it's just like, this is like a, this is a this is a Jackie Chan action sequence, and I just loved it. Just on the surface, yeah. on the surface, forget all the meetings. I was like, "Go kick, kick ass, kick ass." Yeah, and I, I think it was constructed in this fun way to have her be super impressive, right? To do those cool martial arts mm-hmm. moves and to do them very fast. And there's almost the music almost has like a little bit of whimsy. Like there is this great comic contrast of. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of just the knockdown, big swing slugging that's been going on, and then sudden, deadly, uh, acrobatic efficiency. Uh, and I like that it's almost played for comedy of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you think uh, Ahsoka's a badass, but this is how incredibly badass she is. Is that it's almost funny from the outside. It, it, it I absolutely take it as a comedy scene, uh, along with all the big meanings and everything, because it starts, like I said, it starts very brutal, starts with that, that, that plea for help. And so, so there's the big emotions it is, it is very much like one of those comedy movies. I'm trying to think of a great example, but just one of those like, all right, cut to bunch of bodies on the floor, broken, like very funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, since we both noted the crotch shot, how did you feel about the crotch shot? I did. Um, I loved it. Um, I'm not one for uh, Hans Molman crotch humor all the time. I loved it. I also thought of the specific example. You know what the specific example is? It's the opening sequence of uh, the Steve Martin movie Roxanne, where uh, Rich uh, Schneider, uh, Schneider and uh, Kevin Nealon are walking up and they start insulting him and he kicks both their ass with a tennis racket. That is the scene. That's the specific example. I've got it. Um, no, crotch kick. Uh, uh, there you go. That ties, I'm sure George Lucas, when this was first uh, uh, put up on a, on a whiteboard was like, Oh, that's, that's great. I love a good crotch that. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it is one of those like, Hey, re- remember everything Star Wars can do from the, the heights of philosophy to eh, a crotch shot for the kids. Why not? <laughs> and you're right. You're right. Star Wars goes all directions. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes uh, foot's got to end up a place just for joy and fun. Uh, and so it did. The other part in this scene that jumped out to me is when uh, Trace asks Ahsoka where she learned to fight like that, uh, that she answers uh, from my older brother. Mm. How did that hit you? It hit, it hit me. Um, it hit me right in the feels. And I, and I know I was uh, popping in our uh, uh, four center discord server, which you can access from the Patreon page. And, that got a lot of people too. 
just one of those little digs, right? It's a wonderful, painful dig at us fans. Not dig at us fans, like insult, but just like a digging into our heart. Like into our heart. How yeah. she feels. Uh, and the next time you watch their confrontation in Rebels, you'll be like, oh, man. Oh. Yeah. And the it was interesting to me for a couple of reasons. It feels like Ahsoka is trying to be honest without telling anybody. Uh, yeah, I was a Jedi Padawan. I live in the temple because she, she yeah. says I came from the top side. I'm not used to this. I, I learned this from my older brother. All of that is very Obi-Wan true from a certain <laughs> point of view. Uh, so I appreciated her, her attempts at honesty. Yeah. And then the Padawan relationship gets discussed different ways, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Anakin, refers to Obi-Wan as, you know, something close to a father. And Obi-Wan says, you are my brother. And there's kind of back and forth of what that relationship is. But there's something so perfect of that relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin is is exactly older brother, younger sister. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a beauty there. Uh, so then we go on to uh, Rafa's plans to uh, repair and sell binary load lifters. Uh, there's a lot going on there. There's some um, laundromat uh, uh, negotiations and all that kind of stuff. And we eventually get to uh, Ahsoka and Trace working on repairing the binary load lifters. And we get this conversation about people and droids, that they are good and bad. And sometimes uh, they're both just cross-wired. So, uh First of all, in, in all of this sort of uh, setting up the plot of the droids, was there anything in specific that you wanted to talk about or react to? Uh, well, I, I did. I, anytime I can um, hang out with a binary load lifter uh, and, and think back to <laughs> 3PO and New Hope, I, I do enjoy that. A lot about the sequences, we start to dive into it. I was like, I wonder what Quill is uh, thinking of this. Quill over in uh, <laughs> um, Mandalorian world. Um Oh yeah, yeah. Like, about, uh, it's yeah, all about wiring. Yeah, it's about uh, undoing your own programming. Mm-hmm. Says Quill. Uh, what in the context of this episode? What did you make of? Uh, you know, obviously Ahsoka's concern about droids is under understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, in saying that these particular droids get crosswired, but then talks about. Uh, Trace says you seem like you know so much, and she's like, I, I still don't understand people, and and Trace says, well. Just like droids, some are good and bad, and some are crosswired. What what did that what did that uh, description of of humans mean to you in the context of this arc of Clone Wars or Star Wars storytelling in general? Uh, it, it, it's 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 so true, right? I mean this this is the <laughs> this is the the truth here. Um, uh, all, all the Star Wars themes about programming and wires. I, I think it's interesting that this observation first comes from Ahsoka related to just droids, but Trace and just so lessons come from everywhere, you know, she says this uh, so directly and Ahsoka's living this, but it also speaks to me uh, in the sense of, of I always say sometimes it sucks, but you just, sometimes you just got to let humans be humans and, and not hold people to the flames for a lot of the choices because there's a lot of factors into it. And uh, that, that to me is a path to forgiveness and letting go of hate and anger. Um, Anakin Skywalker literally becomes crosswired. And yeah. that to me is powerful that if Ahsoka starts to learn this lesson here now and already kind of feels it, I don't. I don't think there's great new insights. I think Ahsoka, to me, as a character whose a lot of her feelings are being confirmed. So now, of course, she's going to stand before Anakin or Darth Vader, and of course, I, I still believe that's that moment in Rebels with his eye 
exposed and his voice for a second being Anakin, I think uh, she, it's all in her to look at him and be like, you're just a crosswired human, man. And I, I, we can help you uncross those wires. I think it's to me, very big, powerful Star Wars theme, but it's a big, powerful theme in Ahsoka's life. And it might start here or really take deep root here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I, I think this, this moment made me start thinking about, uh, obviously Ahsoka and Trace are working through how they have really different, uh, knowledge and experiences and they seem to like each other and, and instinctively want to help each other and be kind to each other. And they're kind of comparing notes. And I feel like that crosswired thing made me think of, of Anakin and, and the choices that you make exactly as you uh, so eloquently described. But then it made me also think that Trace is thinking of, of her sister Rafa of like, she's not a bad person. She's making some, she's kind of crosswired right now where she's really making some dubious choices, but from her perspective, she has to, and I don't know what's exactly right. She's not good or bad. She's just crosswired right now. And it started to, to me to bring uh, Ahsoka and Trace even closer together because they both have these siblings uh, who are maybe crosswired right now. Well, this is great writing. This is great writing where I, I think the, uh, you know, these are obviously professional writers in a writer's room and Filoni and George and, and no surprises there, but I'm looking at myself. There's, there could be a tendency to use Trace and Rafa uh, on a one-way street to only serve Ahsoka's story. I love that you've, you've pointed out several times now um, that this, that she, Trace is experiencing the same things and that's why they're connected. They're equals. Uh, one has a lightsaber. One has a, has a wrench, you know, and, and, <laughs> It makes the the whole story just this robust uh, tale, uh, and yeah. I love that. Yeah, uh, and so then we get to uh, probably our most action packed scene. Uh, with all due respect to the crotch kick uh, <laughs> of uh, <laughs> binary load lifters gone wild. Uh, so what did you? What did you? We both talked about liking just seeing uh, the binary load lifter kind of lose it mm -hmm. uh this scene ends in in obviously uh trace successfully turning off the the binary load lifter and uh, ahsoka using the force uh to save trace what what spoke to you in this scene what did you get out of this part of it i i think number one it showed uh for me that trace had a lot of skills a lot of it was you know ahsoka riding on the the the, the floating forklift uh and so i i love that just to show that trace kind of knows what she's doing too man the kid's got some skills um but i love that um i love it shows the big risk man you talked about it up top uh, this ahsoka knows as she almost falls to her own death on a on her on her uh, Harley Davidson speeder, um, she you don't just reveal your force powers now. And this is before the fall of the Republic. Imagine yeah. how it's going to get. So it it was a big moment of of reveal. I love you got the uh, the uh, the Twilight uh, kid just kind of going looking over. <laughs> um, so it all worked for me in that sense. And and uh, you know. There's, I don't know why I loved it, but the, when they stop the load lifter and it starts to do the slow fall, it's like, oh, it just wants to take a nap. <laughs> yeah. I, I just really enjoyed, you know, these were the scenes where I feel like I really got to enjoy seeing 1313 and seeing the, you know, dark low lit, uh, neon and the, still a little bit of traffic zipping around and, and all that and just cool aesthetic of it. And then I, I love the droid being very Hulk like and being smashing. And then, once uh, Trace was on him, there was a real King Kong vibe. So it had a lot of great 
kind of Star Wars pulling from uh, other, you know, uh, genre things to create the visuals all really cool. Uh, and then building up to it feels like Ahsoka, Ahsoka watching Trace, like Ahsoka could have hopped up there and turned that button off so easily, right? Yep. But she's she hasn't been asked to help. Uh, and she's she's trying to just uh, be a Jedi and, and wait and watch and only act when she absolutely has to. Uh, and so telling that she hasn't wanted to tell anybody that she's a Jedi has been resisting using the Force and then uses it when she absolutely has to. All really, really cool to let you know where Ahsoka is. Mm-hmm. But I, you mentioned this is before Order 66. Yeah. So I did want to ask you what what do you think is going through Ahsoka's head that she's like, don't want to let anybody know, don't want to show anybody. Right. Yeah. Great point. Great. It's a great point because Jedi aren't necessarily liked, but they're not, they're not hated down here by everyone. Right. So um, I, I think it, 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 whether she has a sense of what could be coming, I, I don't know that answer. Um, but I think it's telling that, she wants no part of it at this point. And then she, and, and that's not her final answer. She's still working through this. She is on, she is creating that path for herself, as you said, or confirming some things, but isn't it kind of weird that she would be like, I don't want to reveal myself as a Jedi. I don't know what that is. I don't know what I am as that. So, um, and maybe I need to turn my back. You know, it's like, to me, she's still working through the, the details and the logistics of this big choice she made. I don't know. It's the way I kind of take it as, uh, yeah. You know, the danger isn't from without, it might be from within. Yeah. Oh, I think that's really well said. Cause I think there is, you can take a, just the logistic things of like, well, what are people going to expect of me? Is that going to bring enemies out of the, uh, woodwork? You know, uh, she, she's certainly been hunted by bounty hunters before, you know, not like there's an active uh, price on her head that she's aware of or that we, the audience are aware of, but so that you can imagine some external things, but I do like the, uh, the more internal of I'm going a different path. I have to get by on my own. I don't want to show, I don't want to use the, I don't want to tap into the force if I don't have to. Yeah. Is a really interesting emotional choice for someone like Ahsoka. Well, it's because it, again, the, the, and just watching this episode long on the surface, you might be like, yeah, 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 you got to hide. You can't be a Jedi. But then really, it's almost as if the last thing Ahsoka wants, she's not worried about a bounty hunter or a separatist coming after her. She doesn't want Obi-Wan to come after her. She doesn't want to deal with <laughs> I don't. I just cannot talk to Plo Koon right now. I don't want to be revealed as a Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, I, me in my awesome jean suit just want to find our own path for right yeah. now. Yeah, and, I, and that, the kid scene is just like it's a great, fun little detail, but it, to me, it does wrap around to the, this idea of like what what should a Jedi be, and it, it connects so much to Trey scene saying they weren't what I. You hear these stories when you're a kid, and they weren't what I imagined, mm-hmm. and then that hope that that little Twilight kid now has a story about a Jedi that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent point, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So hope, hope for the Jedi in the eyes of the Twilight. So a uh, wrap up, we have uh, kind of just the wrap up scene that uh, Rafa sells the droids uh, for double and gets a pin two off their back. So, uh, so it doesn't have to kick any more crotches right now. Uh, there's the implication that, uh, that Ahsoka is going to just fix up her speeder and leave, but it seems like uh, trace, you know, would love to have her stay around. Um, and then 
Rafa says some stuff about, or rather Trey says something, some stuff about Rafa. She doesn't always get it right, but she is trying to make things better for us. And that's where I really felt like there's no way Ahsoka is not listening that and absolutely hearing that is Anakin. Mm. Uh, yeah, I like that example. I like that thought. Um, that uh, Ahsoka's again not, not just seeing herself. Uh, not ref- this isn't a lesson for Ahsoka. She's connected with this uh, these sisters and specifically Trace. Yeah. So yeah, do you think? Do you think that's a? It would be a fair analysis of where Anakin is at this point in the Clone Wars story. He doesn't always get it right, uh, but he is trying to make things better for us. <laughs> A hundred percent. Look, uh, there's. I'm, I was trying to run down in my head the list of similarities just on paper, right? A little checkbox, a little checkbox. And it's like Rafa and Trace and, and Anakin and Ahsoka. And it's like there's. They, they all have some outside the box thinking. Uh, there's a connection where there's lessons go both ways. Whether or not Anakin wants to learn them from Ahsoka yet or ever, uh, but I think he has uh, all through Clone Wars. You show that, and and Trace has. Maybe more, and maybe she's a little bit of the older soul and the softer soul in this tough environment, but has to still still needs that feeling of safety and protection from Rafa, just as Ahsoka has felt that, and and maybe feels the absence of that right now from from Anakin. Not that she can't handle herself, but just that Anakin is that older brother figure for her. Um, and I like this the other the idea that Trace. Um, there's some moments that I sensed uh, that Trace has to. Maybe she realizes or will realize that she might have to grow past her sister and mm. carve her own path and maybe doesn't want to face that quite yet. And not that Roth is bad or like I said, I do believe she's she's got the interest of them in, in, in mind just as Anakin did. It's that final moment between Anakin and Ahsoka. Like it's almost like you could feel he could be like, you know, I'm going to come with you. I'll walk away from the Jedi Order, but he's not there yet. And Ahsoka's not going to wait for him. Soka has cannot wait for Anakin to come to terms with who he is or who he is with the Jedi or as a Jedi. She's got to go her own way. And maybe Trace will have that too. There just to me was a hint of that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think that's really powerful. So yeah, we got great uh, closing scene then of they have a uh, lunch on the wharf, which honestly looked like uh, the 1313 version of a Comic-Con taco place. <laughs> Fish tacos <laughs> you and I, on the wharf. You and I both noted similar things in this episode from different sides of the city here. I just wrote food court. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me this is so weird uh, i used to love this show uh on nbc and i think it went to tnt called southland it was a you know gritty la cop show and they they would go uh, for for lunch breaks at a taco stand and just kind of sit there and i'm like this is just like that and they're just having lunch at a, a downtown food court or a, you know an out, outside market i loved it yeah, I felt like the, there was going to be like a moment where Trace was like, well, what did you get? And so it's like, ah, Sabaros, what did you get? <laughs> exactly. oh, Taco Bell. <laughs> I went to a Chinese gourmet and uh, got uh, got some plum, uh, some some plum sauce chicken. Yeah, some plum sauce chicken and some orange Julius. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we leave. Uh, we don't know exactly what's next uh, for uh, Ahsoka or for Trace, but we know they're both in the same place with a complex relationship with their older siblings and they both want to kind of get away from the Jedi and the clone wars in their own way. And they walk off into the not sunset and that's the end of, uh, end of the episode. Uh, any other characters or moments or beats that you wanted to discuss? Yeah, we talked about a lot of the little tiny things, the classic Kenner figures, the food court stuff there. Now a lot of it, a lot of it there. I, I just really do love, um, just the getting down onto the surface level of 1313 and, 
now, if I was to play a video game of, of 1313, it wouldn't be a cool bounty hunter uh, roaming around the criminal underworld. It would be uh, like a Sims. <laughs> and you got to go to the food court, <laughs> get your binary load lifters back, and just try to survive. Just try to get by and maybe get sent on a mission to stop those crazy droids. Uh, we always like to talk about an action figure moment, uh, that if we could have a figure from any character from the specific episode of Clone Wars we're talking about, who would we want? So uh, what grabbed you? There were some actual action figures in this episode <laughs> yeah. uh, with those Cantina Gang uh, figures, but uh, who would you want? So can we get a re-release of those Kenner's, uh, Kenner figures as Clone Wars figures? Can we do that? Um I I would think as I'm staring up right now I uh, have the Black Series uh, Infus Nest and her speeder and the Ray Speeder Black Series this the six inch ones with scale I want added to that uh, Blue Jean Ahsoka on her burning <laughs> speeder yeah th- there's just no other better action figure uh, option in my opinion is a ahsoka in that new suit you know there, yeah. there definitely are ahsoka action figures i have a great uh two-pack of her and uh rebels designed uh vader uh that came out right around force awakens era it's a great ahsoka figure from her rebels look but man would i love the uh, ahsoka and jean suit and uh i often want the figures that have an action so i would definitely want this one to be like a you squeeze her arms and she does the crotch kick <laughs> just straight out <laughs> full power crotch kick action <laughs> ahsoka with crotch kick action and jean suit yeah that's definitely uh on my imaginary headcanon action figure wish list maybe someday uh so we always close out by having a moral each episode of Clone Wars has a moral, and each episode of our podcast, Clone Wars Report, has a moral. Ken, uh, what's the moral of this episode of Clone Wars Report? Well, the the episode itself of Clone Wars is about uh, when there's no path, you make your own. And what we learned today, the moral of our podcast is when the city locks you down, you can find other ways to record. <laughs> that is a beautiful moral so for uh, myself for ken for ahsoka and for the kenner action figure cantina gang this has been the clone wars report Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.